All right, good morning. Good morning and welcome everybody to another episode of the Culture Hour. I'm your founder and hostess with the mostest, Shelly Smith. I'm the proud owner of Premier Rapport where you know everything um, about my conversations are culture related because culture matters. And it starts with us individually, um, starting with the people who matter. And it's you, the leaders that are watching and listening. And so today, I'm super excited to have another phenomenal guest, uh, friend and colleague on today. And we're going to go through, and I'm going to read her bio, and we're going to have a conversation um, about the existing uh, new norms and as it relates to sales, your business development as a whole, and of course, all inside of the frames of workplace culture, because you know, culture is not built in a day, but every day. So with me today, I've got the lovely Susan Mann, and a few things about Susan that you may or may not know. Um, let me give you a little bit of a background for her. So Susan is the owner of Compass Sales Advisory. Susan works hands-on with businesses to help them drive record-breaking sales and to grow their next level of leadership. She leverages her best experiences from her global 500 companies, as well as their nimble early-stage businesses to help companies optimize their sales through strategy, process, and the almighty execution. In her past life, Susan was a global executive in one of the largest oil and gas companies. Man, they're taking a hit, aren't they? Her leadership team spanned five continents and 13 time zones. Yikes. Um, after compiling more than, get this, two million frequent flyer miles, wow, uh, she came to the stark realization that she didn't know her own neighbors. I heard you say that once and it cracked me up. Um, I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> Since 2018, She's focused her energy on working hands-on with small to mid-sized businesses, and throughout her career, she's consistently been recognized as a developer of top talent, and her passion through coaching and mentoring guides her community uh, involvement as well. With that, she actually volunteers, um, we, another similarity we have, as an executive coach with the Honor Foundation here locally in Virginia Beach, where she coaches members of special forces who are transitioning into the private sector. She's also on the board advisors of Envision Lead Grow, an organization dedicated to breaking the cycle of poverty by sharing the power of entrepreneurship with young girls in Title I schools. Love that. Thank you for doing both of those. She lives here locally in Suffolk, Virginia, which is near the Virginia Beach East Coast, if you're not familiar with the 757. She's got two teenagers who I, I know she's love having at home right now and two dogs as well, and of course her husband. Uh, she, now strives, uh, she now strives to visit the Norfolk Airport only when it's related to family vacations, and you guys have some fun family vacations too. So without further ado, Susan, thank you so much for being on here today. What are some things that maybe um, I didn't talk about on your bio that you wanna share before we dive into your advice on business development now? So, Shelley, first, thanks for having me. You know, it's funny because you and I have actually known each other quite a while yeah. in a lot of different capacities. Um, we have volunteered together. I think I initially met you when I was a client of yours. Yes. We've collaborated. And so this is fun. We haven't had a chance to do this before. Yes. Um, I, I guess one thing maybe that didn't emerge when you were talking about my bio was, um, you know, I've had some varied experience in my career working in both big multinational complex 
uh, sometimes bureaucratic organizations, and then also working with small, nimble, growth stage businesses that are more early stage businesses. And, and it's given me a really unique perspective about being able to apply some best demonstrative practices that have helped provide structure to, to businesses to help them grow, but also to be nimble like those early stage businesses. And I love working in that space where those things intersect and really focusing my energy on helping businesses grow and helping them grow their people. So that's what I I'm doing and I love that. I, I, you know, one of my favorite things that you, you've talked about and you use is the nimble and the, our ability to be nimble, to be, I, I lean into the, the agile. Um, wow. You know, people tossed around those words before, but now if you're not living and breathing it, you're literally dying. Yeah. <laughs> you're not yeah. thrive and survive. So I want to let the group know today that's watching or, um, or listening to this is that this is part one of two parts that we're going to do with Susan. She has so much information and, and expertise to share. We kind of have broken this down into two components. So the first component, um, I've got some notes here. We're actually going to talk about in just a minute, leading through crisis itself and sort of talking about some tips and I, I say tips and tricks. They're not tricks. They're literally strategies to help you optimize and to move beyond the survival mode into stabilization and thriving mode. So we're going to unpack that today in part one, and then we're going to come back into part two, and we're going to really revisit what is it that you're seeing happening now inside of your organizations? How are you reacting and how are you responding? So both of those parts are definitely things that I know the viewers and you know those that are listening are really enthralled to. Um, I, I know that I've been talking a lot about the um, the notion of phasing and what that looks like in the re-entry. I call it the re-entry yeah. and I'm doing lots of blogs and working with clients on that. So let's talk about leading through crisis and let's talk about it from a general lens standpoint, first and foremost. And I'm just going to toss that over to you. And I want you to frame that in your language, in your world of sales expertise. Thanks, Shelley. You know, um, I uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I had the opportunity. I was in a global leadership position after 9-11. I was in a global leadership position leading and running a business after the 2008-2009 financial crisis. And um, while this is very different, there are certainly some things that are very similar. And, and I think one of the big challenges for leaders in businesses is how do you engage effectively with not only internally with your own employees, but also externally with your customers and figuring out how to guide an organization to strike that right balance. Mm -hmm. Because um, pretending like nothing has happened just comes across as being tone deaf. But by the same token, it's important that businesses and, and leadership particularly is providing clarity, providing transparency, and if anything, you know, upping the level of communication both to their employees and also to their customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how, how can they, from an organizational standpoint, recognize and then begin to mine the gaps to the very point that you started? Yeah, you know, um, Shelly, I, I think about this from the, I always think from the customer perspective as well, and it is super important that um, businesses are 
over communicating to their customers, people who are their existing customers. It's important that businesses and salespeople are really in touch with them. Um, and we're going to come back to that when we talk more about what, is, what does it look like? How do you position yourself for recovery? But it's super important to know what the pulse is of your market, of your customers, and to understand how that's changing because it's not the same. Um, can, you give, can you give just a couple of examples of some good ways that um, I, as a salesperson, should be reaching out? Maybe some different examples, you know, depending on the product or service? Yeah, so Shelly, I think I, I think of it from a um, what stage that business is in. So with your existing customers, now is a time to be loving on them more than ever. It is important to be adding additional value and showing support to them. Mm -hmm. um, for one question that I hear a lot is, can I still prospect? Should I stop selling? And no, businesses shouldn't stop selling. Businesses are still buying but it's very, very important to adapt your message and your approach and be able to, um, when you're talking about prospecting or, or, or building new relationships, it's important to be building those from the standpoint of being a resource, not from the standpoint of pitching and I'm trying to sell you something, but rather to be a resource to those businesses. Um, and so that as business changes and we come through the backside of this, that businesses are in a position to um, recognize that you've been a resource, that you've been able to support them. So uh, some of the recommendations I've made to clients are, as you're working with your existing customers, um, the things that they need may be different than the things that you have previously been providing. You know, I just read this morning about some local restaurants that are making this pivot incredibly well where it, they went from being full service restaurant to now they're offering not only curbside, but they're, they're shifting their model to where they're offering, you know, more like a marketplace setting as well. And it's meeting a need um, for them and for their clients. I love that. What are, what are some ways that you, you, you gave all kinds of good nuggets there. So um, I heard you, I heard you say that leaning into your clients with even more love. And I, I would add, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road that you know just how good of a relationship you have with your clients to begin with. Because if it's a comfortable pair of shoes and jeans to put on, to pick up the phone, call your client and go, hey, I'm not calling about, you know, yeah. X today. I'm actually calling because I read this, I saw this, I know you were going through this. How right. can I help? Right. How can I connect you? Right. You know, right. Where, where can I be your resource? And right. where can I be your partner and not your vendor? Right, right. And I think that, you know, the more that we're able to do that with natural and ease, we know where we have really good relationships with yeah. our clients. It's also uncovering our blind spots um, and the oops moments that we kind of realize. So it helps us, you know, better, better frame that. So I love that notion of leaning in in your example. Let's, let's shift from the customer. Um, although I... I have to stop and pause and recognize that one of the things that I love about you, Susan, is that when you, your sales approach, ever since I've known you in any sort of, um, of relationship, it's always been that outward look to the customer, who, the very person that you're serving. And I think that's what makes your expertise and your ability to be successful 
really unique in, in, in your competitive set, if you will, is because your eye, it's always on what are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are they doing? Yeah. And you just want to yeah. recognize and, 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 and point that out for people who don't know you. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. But hey, it's I call it like, I call it like it is. So let's, let's shift the lens. So you've given us some tips on what we need to do for the, uh, the customer. What is it that I as a leader need to do for my team to keep them motivated and connected? Boy, that is so important. And Shelly, if you think about that, if I start the lens looking at the customer and then work backwards, oftentimes your primary line of interaction with your customer is your salespeople or your customer service people or your internal um, salespeople. And it is really important not only that they are having those connections, but that they are bringing, that they're showing up the way you'd want them to show up. That they are, um, you know, at a very basic level, able to be professional in their interactions, even though they're working from home or they're grounded or um, that they are representing you as a business. But more importantly is the mindset and making certain that your salespeople feel connected to the business. Um, this is a weird time for salespeople. Oftentimes, salespeople are accustomed to having face-to-face -face interaction with customers. Mm -hmm. They're very, very goal or quota driven, at least good ones are. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this is a weird time where those things are all shifting and they're all in play. And it's very easy for salespeople to start to feel a little bit detached from their purpose or to be unsure of what they should be doing. Salespeople, good salespeople are goal oriented and goal driven. And so make sure that you're giving uh, realistic and effective goals to them. And that's not necessarily, um, I caution people about turning up the volume on selling, you know, hey, we got to double down on the number of calls we need to make because that plants a mindset that any business is good business, we're yeah. desperate, we just want whatever we can get. And oftentimes what happens is deal sizes shrink. You may end up with more little things and that make you less money. Yeah. And what you've done is really created a whole lot of unease with the sales team because they sense some like desperation in the business. And in actuality, you flip that and start with abundant transparency. Let the, let the people in the organization know, here's where we are. Here's the challenges we have. Here's what we're doing to address them. And this is how you and your part of the business can be most effective in that. So for, for businesses that have a sales organization, as an example, being clear with your salespeople about, hey, you know, this was these were the metrics or the goals we were going to measure you against. So now I want you to shift and I want you to redirect your efforts. And I want, you know, model what the behavior is that you want from them. The, the reinforcement of value you want them to be having with your existing clients and the way you want them to be a resource to, um, to their connections and, and how you want them to nurture the, the prospects that you have. Uh, and it's important to give that uh, overt clarity because salespeople, again, are very goal-oriented and driven to excel against what they're being measured in. 
Yeah. I, you know, just unpacking that a little bit further, one of the things that I, um, I know that you've articulated in the past is that when we look at, if you have a, a large sales force or, or multiple people, is being able to motivate and hone in on their particular skill set, meaning are, should they be tagged with the relational side and they're best served leaning into the relationship that they have? Are there individuals that can lean in in more of that sculpting and sculpting and, and mining? So sort of separate those yeah. real big strengths out and, and let people put on their superpowers and to help them be uber focused on, I need you to do X because yeah. this is what you're, you're best at. And yeah. so with that, let's, let's turn into what could be a little bit of a touchy uh, subject that you and I have talked about offline and you, you said something um, recently that I love and your, your phrase is, I'm going to look at my notes to get it right, is um, a talent grab. And so I, I love that so much. And it just, when I first heard it, I immediately was like, yes. Um, but it also made me think about some of the organizations that have held on to talent that shouldn't have. The, mm -hmm. the person wasn't the right fit, they didn't have them in the right role or the right culture or their, um, their salary to commission or commission to salary was not appropriate for them. And so I know that you've been having conversations with your clients about talent grab. And in the Me Too day, I'm gonna clarify what talent grab means. <laughs> So, so, thank you for that. Yeah, you know, people like talent grab. What do you wear? Um, anyways, why don't you unpack that a little bit for the listeners, and then we'll come back around and kind of put a bow on part one of today's conversation. Okay, so you, Shelley, you mentioned that sometimes organizations and and as I talk to businesses, um, it is not uncommon that if we if we rewind the tape ninety days ago. I had businesses who were telling me, oh my gosh, I don't have time to focus on my sales and optimizing what I need to do there because it is all I can do to service the business I have. Mm. And so like it or not, we don't want to admit it, but we've all done it. People overlook what I call maybe a little dead wood or sub-optimize in their talent pool. You may have people who are not performing at the level they need to, Mm -hmm. um, you may have people who are mismatched in their role. Mm -hmm. However, 90 days ago, finding really good talent was very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And a lot has changed in 90 days. Now, first I will say I am an absolute believer that no one should ever be let go for performance reasons. They should never be surprised by that. That is a management and leadership failing if anyone is let go, if they're surprised that they're not performing in the way that they need to. Yeah. That is an absolute leadership failure because that needs to be addressed up front early and often to identify that and, and try to work through that. But um, that aside, let's talk about the talent grab side. There are organizations who are either um, in distress you may even have competitors who are in distress. There are organizations who are um, frozen, who are not uh, able to or willing to act. So they're not communicating and directing um, and guiding their, their associates about how they should be moving forward. And people are getting uneasy and unsettled. 
So there may be a very, an opportunity uh, and businesses have also let go of talent. Yeah. So, and I think people are, are employee, employees are very sensitive to the way company, they're being treated by their company at this time. They're, they're in tune with and aware of what's happening. And if companies were, I know you have said this, Shelly, as well, people that had a hard time attracting and retaining talent before, man, once this wave passes, that's going to be incredibly difficult. And so now is a, is a good time to, to really keep a keen focus on how and where there's a chance to just grab, grab up some good talent. Completely, completely agree. Yeah, you're either going to come out smelling like roses or you're going to be on the, the dookie end <laughs> of it, to put it bluntly, um, when, when the new, new normal, you know, to your point, sort of shakes out. So today we've talked about, and look at some of my notes, today we've talked about uh, how, how organizations can adapt and should be adapting uh, different conversations with the outward lens to the customers, which again, Susan, you're always incredibly focused on, and that's definitely part of your secret potion. Um, and then we talked about the difference in the conversations that you have and to motivate your team. And then we talked about the, um, uh, um, the specialty inside of managing the team. We sort of talked about some diversity around that and adaptation of leaning in to their skill sets. And then finally, we talked about the talent grab and what does that mean and why it's so incredibly important. Uh, Susan, before we put a wrap on today, is there anything else that you want to, um, that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about um, and or give us a lean into the part two conversation? And then finally, if you could give um, the best way that people can get in touch with you. So I'll, I'll leave you with those okay. before we come to close. So one thing I want to just loop back on was something you said that I didn't have a chance to really address. When you talked about really tapping into the talents and the superpowers of the people within your team, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to come back to that point because I've talked to some businesses where their sales, they have a, a sales team who's now grounded, a sales team that had been, you know, traveling and meeting with clients and um, that was customary. This is a really great time to be developing your people. And I am a big believer that um, one size does not fit all. Even within a, within a function or a process, a sales team or an operational team, not everyone has the same skill development needs or the same superpowers. Yes. And so if you know what those things are and you're in tune with your team, then there's an opportunity to cross fertilize, to learn from each other, to take full advantage of that, you know, um, to be using some of your time with your sales meetings to do some roundtable best practices, talk about struggles or obstacles or objections that come up in your sales cycle, role play that, learn from each other, and take advantage of that because once we come back through the other side of this, um, the notion of I want to do sales training is not going to be top of mind. Take advantage of this time now to be nurturing and building the skills and capabilities within your own team. And it's another way that you can show your employees and your, your associates how valuable they are, that you're investing in them at a time like this. I love that. I love that. I'm a huge proponent of philosophies inside of your workplace culture. And, and to me, you articulate the philosophy of training 
and the importance of that at every single stage of the game. But right now, if you're not taking advantage of doing little snippets of whether it's 15 minute role plays that obviously can be recorded and reviewed uh, to the 30 minute and sort of shifting that inside of the strengths and the talent, you're really missing the boat and you're also missing the opportunity to not only level up your team, but to strengthen your workplace culture and that people want to be a part wow. of it and that they're hearing about it. So thank you for coming back to that. It was really yes. important. What's the best way people can uh, get in contact with you uh, for your services or to, you know, to ask some additional questions? Uh, the best way to reach me is to, to reach me by email at Susan at the Again, that's Susan at the um, just send me an email. Beautiful. And for those of you who are watching uh, the recording, you'll actually see that noted on the screen as well. So um, if you're not, then you can read it or listen to it again on, on the replay in the transcription. So we are going to wrap up part one. Part two, just as a reminder, is going to be about planning for rapid recovery. So please stay, uh, stay tuned for that version as well. Again, thank you, Susan, for Susan Mann for being on today. And again, my name is Shelly Smith, proud owner of Premier Rapport. If you're not being uh, deliberate on the daily that with your culture, then you're probably uh, setting yourself up for repair mode. And repair mode, my friends and colleagues, is not a fun place to be. So food for thought for today. Culture matters. Have a great day, and thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for joining me and another guest for the Culture Hour. If you want to go back to past episodes, make sure you follow the podcast on any of your favorite apps and devices. If you're looking for a daily dose, a little short snippet, then all you need to do is hop over to the other podcast called Your Morning Commute. Thank you again for tuning in. If you're looking for questions, other speakers, more topics, by all means, reach out. Shelly at PremierReport.com. Remember, culture isn't built in a day. Culture is built every day. Are you spending your money and your time and energy on repairs? Or are you spending your time and your energy defining and maintaining? Be safe out there.